Hey there, this is Paul Roberts of the Security Ledger. If security and the Internet of Things are your thing, I wanted to let you know about a great event Security Ledger is hosting on June 19th in Boston. It's the fifth Security of Things Forum. It's a full day of great content on securing the Internet of Things. If you're interested in learning more or attending the forum, point your web browser to the event website, securityofthings.com, to learn more or to register. Hello, and welcome to the Security Ledger Podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this week's episode number 99, we're speaking with and considering the case of Eric Lundgren, a celebrated entrepreneur who has helped revolutionize the recycling of electronic waste, or e-waste, through his company, IT Asset Partners. Despite his many good works, in a matter of weeks, Mr. Lundgren will be heading off to federal prison for a period of between 13 and 15 months. His crime... Selling, for a nominal fee, so-called restore disks containing versions of Microsoft's Windows software, along with PCs and laptops that he was refurbishing and reselling to the public. Never mind that the software in question was available for free online. Never mind that without a valid Microsoft license, the software on the CDs was unusable. Never mind that the only customer Lundgren sold his CDs to was a straw buyer operating on behalf of the U.S. government as part of a sting operation. Criminal copyright infringement isn't a new thing. Since the passage of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act in 1998, criminal prosecution for copyright violations has become much more common. But Lundgren's case is notable as the first of someone being sent to jail for distributing what might be considered freeware, software that companies give away at no cost. It also has profound implications, not just for him personally, but for the growing Internet of Things, as companies such as Microsoft and Apple use software licenses and digital rights management tools to exert control over more and more of our physical world, the specter of Lundgren carted off to prison in shackles hints at a kind of dystopian future that may await all of us as corporations use the courts and muscular copyright laws to police and punish what they deem unacceptable and unauthorized use of their intellectual property. We're devoting this episode of the Security Ledger podcast to an exclusive interview with Eric about his case and about the implications of stricter, more punitive enforcement of copyright laws in the years ahead. My name is Eric Lundgren, and I'm the founder of IT Asset Partners, the COO of Mining Sky, and the CEO of TechDirect. And just say, Eric, for a second, uh, what each of those organizations do, because you're a busy guy. TechDirect tries to find new innovative ways to make technology benefit society by making the world more efficient. And Mining Sky finds ways of getting high power off of the grid. Anything that's high demand, I want to get it off the grid and put modular pods right next to wherever power is created so that we can recycle power to lower all consumer power bills. And then there's ITF Partners, or ITAP, which is the company that I founded to handle all of the e-waste in the United States by practicing a new format of recycling called hybrid recycling. And explain what hybrid recycling is. I've been recycling electronics since I was 16 years old, and the mantra has always been, we crush everything, you know, and... uh, I went to China for four and a half years, and when I came back, I basically brought all the solutions with me. 
I coined it hybrid recycling, but basically what hybrid recycling is, it's the reuse of the parts and components within broken electronics. When something breaks, there's still anywhere between 50 to 90% of that thing that's still reusable. And by us incorporating the parts and components that are uh, reusable as, as for their utilitarian value, we're able to create uh, products with a lower carbon footprint that are cheaper and better for the environment. By keeping all this e-waste out of landfills, it's just overall the best thing that we could possibly be doing. And we're doing it to the tune of 43 million pounds a year worth of e-waste that would be going into a landfill. But instead, now it's going into some new part component product that we're able to get out there for reuse to benefit society. So instead of having it go into landfills and leach harmful chemicals into our water tables, we're going to go ahead and try to put it into a video doorbell unit or an electric wheelchair or a portable charger or a uh, solar power array that can be used around the world to benefit society and help people. It's kind of putting these components back into the supply chain rather than just burying them in the dirt. Yeah, I mean, when you think about how we dispose of cars, they go to a junkyard and somebody goes and picks all the parts off for reuse if they can be reused. But we don't seem to do that with our tablets and laptops and routers and switches and hubs and networking gear. And, you know, all these things have all these wonderful components that we need in our society, but yet the right hand's not talking to the left. Honestly, we're just not building that many electronics in the United States. And in Shenzhen, China, it's the mecca of all portable electronics and computer electronics. This is where they're all manufactured. So obviously the parts are very valuable over there. But I also saw this, this horrific aspect of the business where uh, the, the toxic aspects of computer electronics were being thrown in rivers and in lakes. I personally witnessed the harmful effects of lead poisoning on children and I just wanted to stop that. I wanted to figure out a way to create a holistic solution that would that would be self-perpetual so they wouldn't need outside funding, kind of like social entrepreneurship, I guess you could say. So now, in the United States, using hybrid recycling, we're able to offset the, the cost, the true cost of processing toxic material with the true value associated with reusing parts and components. We're able to offer a zero landfill policy where anything that comes into my facilities, we're able to divert from landfills and reuse, even if it's toxic material, we're able to pay to, to process that to EPA and R2 standards. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing stuff. Um, you're going to jail soon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, and I'm going to prison. That's... Talk about how all, how all those uh, highfalutin plans for saving the earth got you thrown in the in the clinker here in the U.S. of A. Hindsight 2020, don't get in the way of a larger company's profitable agenda. Um, you know, it, companies profit off of waste. They do. And here I was thinking that I was, I thought I was providing this wonderful solution that was going to help everybody. And I came to realize that I got in the way of um, a certain profitable agenda for another company. And that company was, was Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. That company was Microsoft. And, um, and I learned my lesson the hard way, um, you know, in, in court, had my case gone as I thought it would when I stood up and said, you know, I'm guilty of providing Dell Restore CDs, I wouldn't be going to prison. But in actuality, Microsoft flew in this expert from Ireland. I don't know why Ireland, but 
he came into the courthouse and basically during the valuation hearing, because there was no trial, I just pled guilty um, to, to duplicating Dell Restore CDs because that's what I did. Um, and this Microsoft witness went up on the stand and turned to the judge and he said, you know, here in my left hand is a Dell Restore CD. Here in my right hand is a licensed Microsoft operating system. And they're basically the same thing. They basically function the same thing. They're basically valued the same and that was not accurate. Um, so no, because the because the because the Microsoft CD has a license attached to it. The other thing just has software on it. Well, well, you know, one of them is worth five cents, and the other one's worth a minimum of twenty five dollars and a maximum of one hundred ninety nine dollars. And the government wanted to charge me for the one hundred ninety nine dollars, and Microsoft wanted the twenty five dollars. And I'm over here saying, wait a minute, guys, this is this is. Freeware. I mean, you can download this for free. Everybody can get it for free. At the time, I could call Dell, and Dell would ship me one for free, and they'd pay shipping. Yeah. So, if anything, this is a net negative sort of a like. I yeah. went and talked to Dell, and Dell told me, like, to my face in conversation, "You did us a favor. Like, you didn't. We didn't lose anything from this." And I don't believe that Microsoft did either. That's why they were not awarded the four hundred and fifty thousand dollars that they requested. But the United States government, when you get hit with 21 federal indictments, there's no way of really um, winning. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, I, I was told, or everybody keeps asking, well, why did you plead guilty? And um, you can't, it, the, the problem with 21 federal indictments is they're going to get you for something because you're just so deep in the system by that point in time, five years worth of trial and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, it, it was one of those situations where 98% of people plea and those who don't um, get hit very hard. So I, I literally pled to what I did and what I said I did day one, when they raided my house, it came with no warning whatsoever. I had no idea there was no like letter. There was no phone call. There was no anything. It was just I didn't even know why they had raided my house. Um, it was guys, guns, masks, door busted down. You would have thought that I was Pablo Escobar, right? <laughs> and uh, when I went to go see them 48 hours later, I, I just flew over to Florida, and I'd never been to Florida before, and walked in the door of the U.S. Attorney's office and said, "Hey, do you do you know what a Dell Restore City is? And do you know who I am and what I do?" and um, you know, the, the U.S. attorney just said, well, I've talked with Microsoft and I think you're a criminal and you're going to prison and we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Um, sign this paper and I'll give you seven years in, in a nice prison. Otherwise, you can try your luck. And I just said, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and that's when he said, well, Microsoft wants your head on a platter and I'm going to give it to them. And that's when I got scared <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. Obviously, the government didn't understand what a restore CD was, and Microsoft wasn't explaining it uh, correctly. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, now here I stand, uh, five years later, having spent eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars trying to educate them, and uh, you know, I, I, I failed. The government still thinks that a Dell Restore CD, which is freely downloadable online, is of the same value and functions the same way as a. Uh, licensed Microsoft operating system. And because of that, I'm going to prison. You were never able to days. sort of show them that if you try and install it without the license that it, it you can't, right? Well, I did show them that. We brought in the world's best experts. Uh, I brought in the guy who wrote every book for Windows for Dummies, who actually Microsoft had paid 
to to you know testify in their trials um, prior uh, federal trial trials prior, and Microsoft paid to train their employees. This guy's um, Glenn Wedock, and he's he's world famous for uh, being an IT expert when it comes to Microsoft software. But when he got on the stand and he explained to the judge that uh, Dell Restore CD is worth quote unquote zero to near zero value. Um, it was just so conflicting against Microsoft's testimony where they said, nope, it's, it's an operating system and it's worth the same as a brand new operating system with a license. And so the judge actually um, threw out my expert witness, two of them, <laughs> and um, just took Microsoft's testimony and uh, I, I, that was it. Um, you know, that was kind of uh, game over. I mean... Uh, when when the judge didn't understand the t the difference between the two and thought they were the same, it uh, it led to a valuation of seven hundred thousand dollars, which led to a um, you know fifteen month was the minimum prison sentence that I could serve. Uh, the judge said, "Hey, look, uh, you could be getting thirty six months, but um, I recognize all the good that you do in society, and I'm going to give you the low end of the spectrum. So the judge was nice about it, but he just was confused about what he was sentencing. I got I got sentenced for something that I didn't even do. That valuation piece is key because obviously if it's a low enough valuation, let's say you're five cents per CD, um, then it no longer um, uh, warrants as, as stiff a penalty or, or even any penalty at all. Nobody wanted to buy these. The only buyer that I had for these was the United States government. They did a sting operation where basically they wired me $3,400 for 28,000 discs. That was it. So I don't know what that comes out to, a couple pennies. Um, but then in court, they said, well, it's worth $199, which got them the warrant. Um, and then uh, and, and then during the valuation, they dropped it down to 25, which got them a prison sentence. So that's why I'm going to prison. If if these were valued for even a dollar, then um, I would be looking at a misdemeanor, a slap on the wrist, and a fine. But because these were valued at $25, the $700,000, when you go to the, uh, what is it called? It's called the, uh, oh, I just, what is it called? It's, it's the, um, there's a book that they go to, and this book is basically. Yeah, sentencing um, guidelines, yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Tip of my tongue. So when you go to the sentencing guidelines, the main, the main piece that dictates your sentence is the infringed value. So because the infringed value was $700,000, which was not accurate, um, that led to a sentence minimum of uh, 12 months and a maximum of 36 months. And I received 15 15 months. So I, he went on the lower end of the guidelines. Um, and the judge was, I mean, he was, he was a nice judge. He just didn't understand what he was judging on. He didn't realize that this was not a Microsoft operating system. I can't say that enough. You know, it's so, I need to, I keep repeating myself about this not being a Microsoft operating system because uh, I, I'm just, you know, the legal system didn't understand that. And uh, that's why I'm going to prison. So it's, yeah, I want, I want the world to understand what I actually did. 
I'm really interested in that sort of Microsoft wants your head on a platter piece. I, I mean, where did that come from? Have you run afoul of the company before? Had there been any back and forth about your recycling efforts or any of this? I mean, like what, where, this, it just seems so random and kind of um, just uh, out of proportion to what was really going on. You know, I don't really blame the company, Microsoft. Their legal department was on the hook to go after people that were committing piracy, and they were really pushing the DOJ to go after people that were committing piracy, people that were stealing IP and people that were costing corporations like theirs $2.2 billion a year was the number thrown out in my case. Problem is that I was actually providing something that was free that didn't hurt them at all, and in fact would potentially bring consumers to them to buy a license if they didn't already own one. And so I think that I was mistargeted. I don't think that they realized that licenses were not involved and that it was just Dell Restore CDs until it was too late. You know, because Microsoft is going to need that DA to go after a real pirate at some point in time. So to answer your question about Microsoft wanting my head on a silver platter, somebody at Microsoft wrote letters to Lothrop Morris and was in direct communication with Lothrop Morris prior to my visit to the extent where Lothrop was convinced that I had infringed on the Microsoft operating system and that I had cost Microsoft $8.37 million. So they went through all my bank records and all of my emails and, and the federal government combed through my life with a fine tooth comb and found that there was no other illegal operation or big kingpin sort of situation. But by this point in time, you know, they had spent four years and lots of man hours and they needed a conviction. The gentleman, Mr. Uh, McGloin from Ireland that came to testify, he brought with him a, uh, an invoice basically showing that, that Microsoft's MRR program sells a, a operating system, a new licensed operating system to refurbishers for $25 and other ones for $45. And that's specifically what gave a, a, a price point or a value to the Dell Restore CD. The funny thing is Microsoft doesn't sell Restore CDs, none. And they don't sell Dell Restore CDs, right? So so in that moment when, when Mr. McGloin showed this invoice to the judge, the judge thought that Microsoft actually sold the product that I had infringed upon and didn't realize that it was freeware that, uh, that, that Microsoft doesn't make a penny on, doesn't manufacture, doesn't sell, and doesn't mandate how many units the OEMs can actually produce. It's just kind of ubiquitous. It's known as freeware. <laughs> Everywhere you look, it's freely accessible to the world because you can't use it unless you have a license. It's very similar to, let's say, let's say I was, it's like if I was passing out flyers to a concert and then you got to the gate. The flyer's not going to get you into the concert. You still got to buy a ticket. You know, and if you don't have a ticket, you're not getting in. Well, the ticket's the license. So if anything, I'm out there promoting that you use the Microsoft operating system. If you have a ticket, you get in the concert. If you don't have a ticket, you got to buy one from Microsoft. But what I was convicted of was printing tickets to the concert, which is not at all what I did. So, yeah, do what I do. You bring up a really good 
question or a really good point, which I think a lot of people have raised, which is this criminalization of copyright infringement. You know, for most of this nation's history, these were civil issues, copyright infringement. These were types of things you would settle in civil court. And now we're seeing it moved over to criminal court. You're in a really uh, important area right now, which is recycling of electronic waste and reuse of electronic components. Um, what are the big dangers out there, uh, to the extent that your case is a precedent, uh, of where things could be heading? Well, um, my case in particular is, it, this is the first case in which anybody has been criminally tried and soon to be imprisoned over freeware or over restore CDs. I challenge any one of your listeners to find another case that's been criminally tried over restore CDs anywhere in the world. Um, and I think it sets a really nasty precedent. I think that uh, if, if I go to prison over restore CDs, it's basically setting, it's setting an agenda that's going to push the majority of refurbishers that are not in this MRR program into it out of fear. I mean, they, they, they're going to be afraid to use the existing operating system that is on the computer in fear of potentially going where I'm going. Um, I've already gotten multiple calls from some of the largest recyclers in the country, and you know they're they're afraid. They're afraid because everybody in my industry is reloading the operating system that comes with the computer because that's the legal thing that you're that's what you're allowed to do, right? The law says the license follows the hardware in perpetuity until the hardware's demise. But if you join the MRR program with Microsoft, you're you're signing a contract with them to relinquish your rights. And, and for relinquishing your rights to that operating system, they're giving you uh, a, a cheaper option for a, a, an upgraded license you know, in, their, in their private market. We're talking about 18% of recyclers and refurbishers in the country that might want that. The mass majority of us just want to be able to reload what's rightfully ours on our machines we've rightfully paid for and get them back out there in society so that people can use them. People don't need Windows 10 if they have Windows 7. It's a perfectly good working unit that just needs to be given to a single mother or another country to bridge the technological divide. But if I have to go off and buy that operating system from Microsoft again, if I'm going to if I'm going to allow Microsoft to double dip on this second-hand computer, at some point in time, it doesn't become economically feasible to actually reuse that computer. If I'm recycling a computer that's under $100 and Microsoft wants $25 to $40 for a new license, it's just not economically feasible, so most recyclers end up just crushing the unit for its metal value. I find that to be criminal. If you're going to mandate some format of a corporate policy pretending like it's the law so that you can make a profit, but in doing so, you're pushing a lot of useful, functional computers uh, into the e-waste stream. And I just think that's the wrong way for our society to make money. The point is to keep this stuff out of landfills, especially if it's functional, right? You know, I, I worry. I worry about the consumer's rights. I worry about when you buy that new gadget, you know, are they... Are, are, are they bait and switching you because you get it and it functions one way and then years later they click a button on a keyboard office and it functions an entirely different way. That, mm -hmm. that scares me when, when Apple can lower their processing speeds, you know, right before a major holiday 
And now everybody's saying, oh, honey, my phone's slow. I should go buy a new Apple phone. Or when they build phones, the, the second that you drop them, the glass cracks on the front. People don't realize it's a $3 piece to buy. So, you know, now it's functionally working, but it's cosmetically damaged. So what is it in America? It's garbage. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm being thrown in prison for trying to get the repair tools out there so that you could fix your computers. You know, it'd be like if you didn't realize you could change your own oil. And I taught you how to change your own oil, and then Jeep comes after me, or BMW comes after me and says, whoa, 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 these people might have bought a new car had you not taught them how to fix their old car. Yeah, right, exactly. In court, actually, Microsoft said that I potentially costed them a new sale of a new operating system by giving this repair tool so that consumers could repair their old operating system. I find that inherently flawed, that argument. I think that people should not be thrown in prison for trying to help other people. Do you think that behind Microsoft's pursuit of you legally was interest in trying to force other recyclers into this MMR, this Microsoft uh, refurbisher program? Or or was it merely uh, somebody in Microsoft legal had a bad day and and then at some point they found themselves too far down the road to, to turn back? I think that they were attempting to protect their business model, but the business model that they're protecting is not a good business model. It's a model that's trying to tax refurbishers and recyclers in the same way that they tax OEMs for preloading the operating system, not giving the consumer a choice, but just kind of force-feeding their operating system on every PC. They don't care what PC you buy. They just care that you rebuy a PC, you know? So... So, uh, so you're you're gonna head off to uh, serve your sentence in in a couple of weeks. What are you gonna do after you get out? For the folks out there who are partisans in the right to repair movement, how do we um, try and turn your misfortune into uh, a productive conversation about maybe some changes that need to happen? So, your second question, I would say, I, I'd love to see consumers get involved. I would love to, to see the world take notice. Um, to, to really acknowledge that uh, we don't need to be this use and toss society and, and to really take ownership of the products that they have and make sure that they are, are dictating with their dollar. I mean, you're voting every time that you buy something. And if you want to go buy a new product, buy something that's sustainable. Try to invest in something that's going to last you a long time. Read the reviews and make sure that it is repairable and that the parts are readily available and that the company who makes that product really cares about how that product's going to serve you, you know, long-term. I think that 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 would be wonderful. And then when you're ready to get rid of your products, find a recycler. We're only recycling 15% of the e-waste in the United States, and it's because most of it's thrown in the trash can. Um, and try to just invest in products that, uh, that, that are going to be sustainable, companies that actually do support the right to repair movement and provide the repair tools and provide the, 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 the actual schematics so that you can fix the, the, the things when they go bad. It's not just electronics, it's everything. Whatever you buy in life, please make sure that the company that's selling it to you supports your ability to repair it and acknowledges that you own it that it's your rightful property. Um, it's just very important that corporations don't feel they have the right to dictate when you dispose of your goods. <laughs> Simply put, that's what I'm about, because that's, that's the world we need to live in. Eric Lundgren, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me.
I'm sure we're going to talk again, but best of luck, and I, I look forward to speaking to you on the other side. 13 to 15 months. I'll see you then. Okay, <laughs> sir. Best of luck.